Lights, camera, action. When a script is written that is so bad, no one will film it. These brave podcasters will bring it to life just so they can mock it. This is Table Reads. So the movie's kaput, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Table Reads with Sean McBee and Joshua Baker. Yes, and Jeff is here. I just have not been able to get over my laziness to get the recording guy to to record Jeff's voice, uh, Jeff's name. So there he is. There he is. Hi, Jeff. By the time he records it, it'll be Kelly again. <laughs> Maybe. He's going to play it backwards. <laughs> they they got to fight. I feel like she'd beat you now that she's Sansa. Oh, she's yeah. strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been getting weaker reading, reading shitty scripts. <laughs> <laughs> so, everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to episode, what's this, three? Three. Yes, three. three. Of wow. uh, Gladiator 2. The search for what the fuck is this movie about? More like Sadiator. As we sit here at Interior All right, and that's it. We're done. <laughs> Roll credits. Um. Yeah. So that happened. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> um. I just. It's better writing than Nick Cave. I, let's just pull this bandaid off, eh? Previously on Table Reads. <laughs> I don't fucking even know. <laughs> play, play, play us in. <laughs> Fade in. Fade in. <laughs> I mean, literally, like, Maximus is dead, and now maybe he's alive, but someone says he's still dead, like he can't get the plague, which I don't even know if that's, like, accurate time-wise, historically, if the plague was, I don't know what year this <clears throat> takes place. I don't know if he, he's on his way to Rome because his kid is there because I... <sighs> fade in. <laughs> that was solid. <laughs> what a bit. <laughs> shrugs all around. <laughs> We're shrugs. Everybody shrug. just bumps the I microphone shrugs. I don't know, man. <laughs> That's how good this script is, everybody. It was a year in Rome where the Crusades and the plague and all the other bad stuff happened. Exterior, plague village, day. Maximus and Mordecai move through the village. It is eerie and silent. All the doors to the houses are closed, but eyes watch them through the broken slats of the windows. Dark fiddle figure. <laughs> Dark fiddle figures. <laughs> figures and huddle came together and to form fiddle in my mouth. You're fixing it. Dark Just figures huddle in doorways. Bow on the mountain, run, boy, run. Dark figures fiddle in doorways. <laughs> their faces hidden in their robes. Rattle-boned dogs lope about. They pass a makeshift trailer of corpses. Once again, I have chosen a pleasant day to visit you, Maximus. Are these the brief but beautiful lives of which you spoke? They die. There is beauty in that. Loved ones grieve for their departed. Fathers bury their daughters. Wives bury their husbands. Flood the earth with their tears. Each life leaves a ripple of consequence. In the other world, time stretches on infinitely, robbing all action of meaning, of purport, of hope. Here, well, 
Here I signify nothing. I could scream down the heavens and even the dogs would hear me. And I see I've caught you on a good day, Mordecai. <laughs> oh, this is some witty what repartee. The, what the Just know fuck? that was a real line, audience. Please, I didn't make that up. Yeah. Well, that wasn't a joke. So, so more, Nick Cave's like, all right. He's feeling a little. I'm, right now, this line of dialogue right here, for no reason, I'm just going to insert something that people are going to want to use for their fucking audition monologues. <laughs> <laughs> and then, zinger! See, so you called. Doing, Maxim- it for the, doing it for the yucks. Maximus turns to Mordecai, and once again, Mordecai has gone. <sighs> Maximus continues through the village. As Maximus leaves the village, he sees a small boy sitting alone in the dirt. Maximus draws closer. That's what they did for fun in the Great Depression. They just sat in the dirt. (laughs) Eat rocks! (laughs) He looks down at the small boy. The small boy looks up at Maximus with an emaciated face. His deep, sunken eyes. Maximus and the small boy stare at each other for some time. Saying nothing. What do you want from me? <laughs> Exterior. Road to Rome. What do you want from me would have been better. <laughs> That's the subtitle of the movie. <laughs> I just want to recap what we've read so far. Okay? <laughs> They're walking through a plague village. He's like, oh, I seem to have found a good day to visit you. <clears throat> is, is, are these the beautiful lives you spoke of? Shitty monologue. I see I've caught you on a good day. Oh, he disappeared. I'm going to stare at this small boy now. Cut two. (laughs) You're such a downer, Mordecai. (laughs) Look at this kid. He's happy with his rocks in the dirt. (laughs) They stare at each other for some time. To me, that is 60 seconds of film time cutting between this emaciated boy (laughs) and Russell Crowe and then... Cut to Maximus continues along road. My eyes are so sunken. Does he? I mean, just play that in your head as a movie. How is this a good idea? It's better than going from one child to the next saying, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? This one's bloody. (laughs) What do you want from me? Exterior, road to Rome, day. Maximus continues along road. Not the road, road. Because this is Australia. We don't have time for articles. Uh, roads. Well, they'd have named it if there was more than one road to Rome. <laughs> Welcome to road. <laughs> you know, the Romans were known for their road. It takes you all the way to the God Temple, this one road. It's uh, it's like the, the King's Road. Yeah. From, from Winterfell to King's Landing. Just, Just the road. The one road. Oh, have you guys seen a street sign? Oh, no, there are no crossroads. No, it's just, just the King's Road. Just, just go straight. You'll get where you're going. <laughs> Whether it's a hut with all the gods in it, or <laughs> Hephaestus's hut, or a plague city. Wherever you're going, it's on this one road. There'll be kids sitting in the dirt. You know, you know how New York is a grid so that everything's easy to find? We beat that. We just put everything on one line. Eight mile. <laughs> um, uh, dust and hot sun. Maximus sees a huge gray lumpen mound. Lumpen? 
Mm. Kelly, can you look up if lumpen is a word? Oh, she's not here. Yes. <laughs> wow. wow. I thought she was in the room. You're so good, Jeff. I did what I gotta do. Uh, lumpen. In Marxist context, uninterested in revolutionary investment. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Read. Let's see. Noun one: the lumpen proletariat. Okay, so this mound is uninterested <laughs> in revolution. It's it's happy with its lot in life as a mound. <laughs> uh, Maximus sees a huge gray lumpen mound on the side of the road. He moves toward it. He looks down from his horse and sees a dying rhinoceros lying in the dust. A fucking rhinoceros? Something happened. I'm still on the fact that the lumpen mound is the only thing that doesn't want anything from Maximus <laughs> in his entire script. <laughs> the rhinoceros is barely breathing. Maximus looks further up the road and sees a huge caged wagon tilting perilously on its side. He draws close to the wagon. The wagon has lost a wheel that lies shattered on the side of the road. An animal merchant sits next to... There's no punctuation there. That's not a new sentence. An animal merchant sits next to the wheel, looking at it in a state of distress. Crammed in the caged wagon are three lions that lie in a heap. A heap of lions. Of course, a, a, a lump in lions. One, of its, one lifts its head languidly and looks at Maximus. The animal merchant stands as Maximus approaches. Have you seen my rhinoceros? Maximus looks at the animal merchant and says nothing. Okay, he can see the guy from where the rhinoceros is. Do you mean to tell me that that guy cannot see a rhinoceros? <laughs> it's behind that the is... lumpen mound. <laughs> <laughs> what if the rhinoceros is the great... Oh, it is. Maximus sees a huge gray lumpen mound on the side of the road. Oh. It is a rhinoceros. It is the mound. Mm. You have to become the lumpen. <laughs> I am lumpen. So he's like, have you seen my rhinoceros? And he's like, yes, it's that lumpen mound. <laughs> Maximus looks at the animal merchant and says nothing. I've thrown a wheel. I'm headed for Rome, the Colosseum. I fear these poor brutes won't survive the journey. Sir? Maximus continues on, moving past the wagon like a dick. Well, that was that. I passed the wagon, the merchant, and the dying animals. <laughs> I feel like he'll come back. Is this just his way of letting us know, like... They're going to gladiate. <laughs> They're this... going towards gladiation. Well, hold on, though. Hold on. Because he's just... He's traveling down the road, and so he comes across this thing just so this non-player character can go, Rome is that way. That's where we've been going to Rome. Can you help us? That's it. It's not an actual encounter. Like, also, it's, it's literally just a non-player character. Yeah. If Maximus had asked him a question, he would have said, have you seen my rhinoceros? I've thrown a wheel. I'm headed for Rome, the Colosseum. Yep. That's all this is. Also, why... The correct response would have been like, have you seen my rhinoceros? And Maximus as someone who grew up in Spain and then Rome would be like, what? What's a rhinoceros? <laughs> <laughs> I've never you seen. You mean the, the, the bloated unicorn? <laughs> yeah, why did he stop? He's like, what the fuck is that? Hell beast stab. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he just bashes it with his breastplate. <laughs> 
Exterior. Entrance to Rome. Because it's just a gated... It's just... There's an entrance... Yeah. Oh, uh, Rome! <laughs> you know how Rome has those doors. You gotta pay a cover charge and... <laughs> Close these doors as a man with a rhinoceros outside! <laughs> Lucius enters Rome, tall and invincible in the saddle. His guards, weary and travel-worn, follow him. The streets throng with people. Roman civilians move out of the way. Look up, look up in admiration and respect as Lucius and his guards pass by. Children run alongside them. Two Christians, James and Justin. <laughs> they sound like Mormons. <laughs> I'm Maximus Meridius Decimus, and this is Justin. <laughs> hey, dude. What's up, man? Watch the prison. You know, just chilling. It's kind of like how, how... Do you guys remember what the name of Tywin Lannister's brother is? Uh, I, I had this conversation with Lori last night. It's Kevin. It's Kevin. Kevin yeah. Lannister. <laughs> yeah, Tywin, Tywin Tyrion. Tywin, Tyrion. Cersei. Cersei. Kevin. Kevin and Jamie, bro. <laughs> Kevin and Jamie, dude. You know, whatever. Like, you know. But it's it's at least K-E-V-A-N. Not like Justin here, who is Justin like Justin Long or <laughs> Justin Thoreau. Justin Boots. I'm Justin. This is my buddy James. We're here to liberate y'all. Holler. <laughs> James and Justin watch the procession nervously, then melt into the crowd. Hello. Interior, classroom, Rome, afternoon. Cassian, the school teacher, 55 years old. Wait, wasn't there a Cassian? Cassian last yeah. name they mentioned. They did. He still doesn't have a last name. It's the school teacher. Cassian, the school Cassian. teacher. Stan, he's 55 years old. He stand. If we know exactly how old he is, we do not know what his name is or what he's supposed to look like. Stands at the front of his classroom, teaching a group of ten young men philosophy. The students look at Cassian, bored and with a trace of hostility. Marius, the son of Cassian, twenty-three years old, at the back of the class, listens attentively. How is Marius is Maximus's son, right? Yes, uh, I think so. Yes. So how is he the son of Cassian? Well, maybe he's the adopted son of Cassian. It didn't say that. That's true, but I'm just extrapolating because that's what my brain does. Let's figure this out. Wait, so, okay, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. So there's a seven. So that was, it's been 16 years since the first movie? Marius was seven in the first movie. Yeah, so he's 23 now. Yeah. So 16. 13, 16, yes. Way to math. It's been 16 years since the first movie. We got a timeline, everybody. Oh, I got one. Cassian, reading. Odysseus bent his knees and sturdy arms, exhausted by his struggle with the sea. All his flesh was swollen in streams of brine, gushed from his mouth and nostrils. There is the sound... That's not philosophy. There is the sound of commotion, of horses' hooves, and a ripple of excitement passes through the students. One student... Sardis rises and rushes to the window. Winded and speechless, he lay there. It is Lucius. Cassian looks up, then slams his fist down on the table. Back to your seat. Oh, just grazed my knuckles. That hurt. Oh, howdy, yeah. Sounded painful. That was in the script. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Back to your seat. Ignoring Cassian, the other students join Sardis jostling each other at the window. 
They are excited and greatly impressed by what they see. Marius remains seated. Return from Leon's! I said return to your seats! Reluctantly, the students return to their seats, eyeing Cassian with undisguised loathing. Cassian, stern and strong, stares down at the students, trembling with fury. He lay there, too weak to stir, overwhelmed by a terrible fatigue. Cassian continues to stare down at his students. You may go. The students stand and pour noisily out of the classroom. Cassian watches them leave, then bows his head. Marius remains seated, staring at Cassius. Sardis lingers at the door. Marius does not notice Sardis. Who wants to be Marius? You want me to be Sardis? No, I'm Sardis. You're Marius. I'm Marius. Father, he is back. Cassian lifts his head, sees Sardis, and raises one hand to silence Marius. Can I help you, Sardis? Sardis smiles insolently. Thank you for the lesson, sir. It has been most interesting. Sardis turns and leaves. Marius stands and walks to the front of the classroom. Marius looks grimly at Cassian. What shall we do? Cassian pulls at the collar of his robe unconsciously. Alert the others. Exterior, entrance to Rome, early evening. See, he's a Christian. And Marius, therefore, is also a Christian. Mm. That's why when he gestured to all those corpses and said, this is what your son is, he didn't mean a murderer, he meant a Christian. He's, oh. he's pulling at his collar self-consciously because he's got that Christian fish on there. Boo. And that's why he's all nervous that this guy, the Christian killer is back. He's like, oh, alert the other Christians. The guy's there. That guy. We should tell them all that there's a giant hubbub going through the streets. They can't possibly know yet, right? They just got here. Exterior, entrance to Rome, <laughs> early drunk. evening. Their phones are all roaming. Boo. <laughs> Equal boos. Equal boos. <laughs> boo that joke, boo your script. <laughs> Maximus leads his horse through the darkening streets of Rome. Merchants have ha packed up their stalls, and the crowds have gone. Interior, inn, evening. Maximus enters the noisy inn. He moves through the revelers. An old drunken man leaps to his feet and breaks out in verse. It's over, love. Look at me pushing 50 now. Hair like grave grass growing in both ears. The piles and boggy prostate, the crooked penis, the sour taste of each day's first lie. That doesn't rhyme at all. That has been the best block of dialogue in this entire script. The so piles far. and boggy prostate. I mean it. Is. Is a crooked penis something that happens when you get old? I don't know. I mean, this, I mean this you guy hear about fucks. saggy balls. You hear about, but I never hear about old people go like, oh, yeah, when you get old, your dick gets all bent. Yeah, called me old hook dick. <laughs> and all pussy tastes sour, <laughs> especially the fast one. You got to fuck sideways. <laughs> Till you inoculate yourself against it. It's a bit of sour milk. The old drunken man breaks into a dance and all the revelers laugh and cheer. 
Maximus approaches the innkeeper, 40 years old. The innkeeper shouts above the noise. Can I help you? I need a room. You are in luck, sir! <laughs> what an exchange of commerce! <laughs> the innkeeper addresses his wife, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, show this man the room! And some information. At your service, sir! <laughs> All these characters are just NPCs. They're idiots. The drunken old man has placed a stool on one of the tables and is sitting on it, a soup bowl on his head and a wooden spoon in his hand like a mock emperor. A young reveler shoots to his feet. Even on the loftiest throne, you must sit on your own arse. Ooh. The young reveler kicks at the stool, which topples, and the drunken old man tumbles down, falling to the ground on his rump. A roar goes up from the crowd. I'm looking for a school teacher named Cassian. Cassian? He is known around here and not much liked. You're looking for a bad man. <laughs> <laughs> this is how people exchange information. <laughs> the innkeeper begins to take more interest in Maximus. He studies him closer, becoming more incredulous by the second. He lives and teaches on the Via name. Thank you. This way, sir. Maximus turns to follow Elizabeth. The innkeeper's hand shoots out and he grabs Maximus by the arm. Maximus faces him. I know you! I have seen you! You are mistaken! <laughs> He's acting as well as someone could in this script. <laughs> I love it. The innkeeper shakes his head at the foolishness of his thoughts. He releases Maximus. No! Of course! You were right! I am sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could act it. No, I love it. I it's way better. That's <laughs> an hey, amen. Nah, you know, I'm just Christian. I'm literally reading them like NPCs yeah. on Final Fantasy VII. So the only two we're really going in on right now is Maximus and Mordecai. That's it. But they got grandfathered no, in from the no. first When episode. the dialogue doesn't sound like dialogue from a an NPC in an RPG video game, then I will read it properly. Because he's yelling this, right? And that's not really, like, natural. No! Of course! You're also, right! What I'm kind sorry. of inn is this? Is Dead Mouse over in the corner? Like, <laughs> Talk about eating sour pussy! <laughs> Maximus follows Elizabeth up the stairs. The innkeeper watches him as he retreats. I never retreat. Interior, room above the inn, night. In a small room, above the inn, Maximus stands at the window, looking out. Deep in thought. <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> Where? Money! You stayed in my room! <laughs> <laughs> oh, does he have money? He's gonna have to murder this innkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> He's dead already, it doesn't matter. Interior, quarters of the emperor, Decius, evening. The emperor, Decius, 60 years old, sits at a table. Wait, so we've established it's 16 years since the end of the last movie. Right. The emperor was killed. His kid was like 12. His name was not Decius. And now there is a 60-year-old emperor named... Where did this guy come from? 
Uh, I really don't. Uh, uh, elections? Toledo. Toledo. Elections. Um, On the sorry, table. I lost my place because I was so upset. You're fine. On the table is a shallow basket. In the basket is a silk cushion. And on the cushion lies a tiny spider monkey. <laughs> More character. Have you seen figures. my spider monkey? Decia sops a small piece of bread in a bowl of milk and tries to feed the monkey. The spider monkey is not well. <laughs> it's had more character growth than he tried to feed the spider monkey. Feed the monkey, Decius. Not my basket! He does this with great concentration. Lucius enters Decius's chamber. He moves through the room and stands before Decius. Sire? Decius sops another piece of bread in the milk. Ha, Lucius, you have returned. Yes, sire. You sent for me. Decius continues to tend to the monkey. <laughs> Indeed, I did. You must be worn out from all your vigorous activity. I have only just... I have only this evening arrived. Reports have come back from Leon's that concern me somewhat, Lucius. I believe my instructions were that you arrest the leaders and bring them back to Rome. It would appear your methods are somewhat overzealous. My interpretation of your orders, sire, was that you wish the Christian movement quelled. This is... This I did. Decius looks up for the first time. Hold on, I'm waiting for the beat to drop. <laughs> Get it, spider monkey. <laughs> wow. It's acid milk. <laughs> Feed the monkey. The monkey's over there just fucking twerking Tri on the floor. Tripping balls. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't look well. <laughs> um. Your interpretation of my orders. I hear you painted the streets of Leon in their blood. Decius examines Lucius. Lucius stands tall. Still, Leon's is Leon's and Rome is Rome. And in news of other dialogue that means nothing and just fills time. My monkey. <laughs> the monkey lets out a little squeak. Weep. Decius looks back down and strokes the monkey's head. Look at this poor thing. It is blind and near to death. May I speak plainly, sire? He barely breathes. Sire, the gods are vexed. With my monkey. <laughs> this is a literal interpretation of the two conversation arcs that have been happening. Yeah. It happened again. But with a monkey character. <laughs> the countryside is devastated. Plague, famine, earthquakes, the great granaries of Rome destroyed by inundations. Hard is the anger of the gods. Hard is my penis not in the last 30 years. Sorry. The country... Oh, that was you. I do not need to be told the condition of my empire. These Christians, these... Atheists mock the empire and the divinity Wait, of the gods, stop sire. Right there. That's not what an atheist is. It, 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 I. You should have said Uno theist. Yeah, 
These unotheists. 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 These Christians who believe in a god. These non-god believers. Uh, sorry, go ahead. They are disrupting the order of things. They must be put away. Your words, Lucius, are like a cracked bell. They ring untrue. Sire? I fear this is more personal. A knot of muscles works in Lucius's jaw, and his pale eyes narrow. Your dear mother, Lucille, did she not have certain sympathies with these people? Lucius, stung, stiffens. Decius strokes the monkey's head. I fear for the Empire, sire. Decius looks up at Lucius and leans back in his chair. Hear me, Lucius. As I am sure you are aware, I have posted an edict to the citizens of Rome. On the week of date, each <laughs> Roman family will be ordered to make a sacrifice under law to the gods. The Jews, of course, will be exempt. These Christians believe this sacrifice to be an affront to their so-called god. They will not participate in the ritual. They fear some kind of eternal damnation. This edict will effectively expose the Christians. A census will be taken and a list drawn up. Citizens not on the list will be arrested and tried according to the law. They will be offered a chance to recant, but those who do not will be put to death in the Colosseum. Thus, Lucius, the gods will be appeased the laws will be upheld, and the people entertained. Decius moves forward and once again looks down at the monkey. After all, it is not as if these Christians are a warring faction. It is not as if they had risen up against us. Not yet, sire, but their beliefs strike at the very heart of all that is Rome. Beliefs? And what are your beliefs, Lucius? Lucius stands tall, then nods toward the basket. I believe, sire, that your monkey is dead. No! <laughs> <laughs> this is the dumbest fucking shit ever. Decius peers closer into the basket. Interior, Cassian's house, late night. I, you know what? Let's just come back to let to Cassian's house. Table Reads will return after this brief word from our sponsors. What's up, docs and docettes? Trevor Thompson, the self-appointed Looney Tunes critic here, and if you like old cartoons and watching online reviewers dissect them, then you probably said the same thing I did about two years ago. Hey, what the fuck? Bear, watch your language, you bud. Every Saturday morning, I do a brand new commentary of a Warner Brothers short. All throughout the month, I do video essays examining the history of these cartoons. Catch my videos on youtube.com slash ferriswheelhouse2, or just use the hashtag Looney Tunes Critic. And now, here's Eric Bauza, the new voice of Bugs Bunny. You've been listening to the Looney Tunes Critic. Ain't he a stinker? Lights, camera, action. So the movie's kaput. Which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Now, back to Table Reads. 
I I don't know if Nick Cave has ever had a conversation with another human. <laughs> I mean, you get that sense? Yeah, yeah, I also want a monkey now. Well, I mean, they die. Yeah. Real easy. Even when you give them a silk pillow. A basket, some some bread. Like, that monkey had it all, man. Well, yeah. I mean, everybody knows that, that monkeys in the wild eat milk-soaked bread. Yeah, exactly. That's kind not, of not, shit. Not yeah. fruit or, like, bugs. Or... That's, that's what happened. He's just been giving him milk bread this whole time. <laughs> it's all he's, the monkeys he's, ever eat. He's eaten. got diabetes. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was trying to plot it out to where when Lucius got there, that's when it would die. That's when he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> he's like, the, the gods have vexed my monkey. It's a it's an allegory for Lucius. The, you are the monkey, Lucius. The monkey's you, been dying, and he's just like, must hold out for comedic timing. <laughs> what if it was dead the whole time, and he's just like posting it up? <laughs> just, just jamming bread in its mouth. <laughs> Weekend at Decius's. Look how good my monkey's doing. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's so happy. He's just been lying there for three weeks. He makes the squeak himself. He's like, Where? <laughs> I think he might be sick. It's like maggots climb out of his eyes. Shit. I figured he'd hold out until my new rhinoceros gets here. <laughs> <laughs> so lumpus, slumpius. Oh, man. Fade in. Interior Cassian's house, late night. A band of 20 Christians. It's going to name all of them. Cassian, Marius, Saturus. Jonas Brothers. 50 years old. James, 30 years old. And his brother, Justin. You remember them. 25 years old. And others. I really thought he was going to go through all. Creed. (laughs) Pack a small room in Cassian's house. The room is dim and shadowy in the candlelight. There is a great commotion as the band of Christians argue with one another. I told Their you voices that. rising up in anger. That doesn't sound Christian-like. Then dropping down to furtive whispers. They're totally a band. Oh, for sure. Caspian and the whispers. <laughs> uh, I was Cassian, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. Your old man. Paul wrote in his letter to us. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution separate us from the love of Christ? No! In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. But the edict, Cassian, we will each be exposed. What of our movement if we are all hunted down? What of, what of our church if we are all put to the sword? Lucius' last name this day has arrived in Rome in search of us. We must make a stand. For his sake, We face death all day long. For his sake, we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Justin is right, Cassian. We have no longer fear the enemies of truth. We must challenge them. And drive back the Great Serpent, the champion of the Antichrist, Lucius! Wait, the Great Serpent is Norse. You guys are confused. Lucius! (laughs) With what? Our bare hands? Oh, well, we went there. That's the tourist. There are many of us willing to fight to protect our church in Christ's name. The same Christ who tells us to love our enemy and pray for those who persecute us. The band of Christians descend back into anger and confusion. (laughs) 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 The candles gutter, 
throwing out their wobbly yellow lights. That's you. You will be hunted down and annihilated. The band of Christians grows silent and turn to the sound of the new voice. Maximus stands enigmatically in the doorway. Can you stand like a question mark? That's all I've done. It's like, uh, I've hurt. You will all be hunted down. Cassian takes a candle and moves toward Maximus. Who are you? I'm trying to figure out where I'm at. <laughs> I'm a messenger. Maximus's eyes move around the crowded room. And? I was I was in Lyons. I saw a mob of massacre. I saw a mob massacre men, just like you, and washed the streets in their blood. I saw Lucius' last name behead an old man <laughs> named Polythenius. I was slaughtered. Wi- I saw slaughtered women and children. The band of Christians begins to talk noisily. Whoa. <laughs> the Bishop of Lyons. The former Bishop of Lyons. We do not shudder at our own blood streaming forth. That is not what I saw. I saw much shuddering and much streaming forth of blood. <laughs> Cassian, head bowed, turns. The light flickers. I met a man named Arrhenius. He asked me to alert you of the arrival of Lucius' last name. <laughs> he, wanted, he wanted me to tell you what I had seen. Cassian turns around. Arrhenius, then you are a Christian. I was a Roman soldier. The crowd parts and Marius steps forward. 23. Then you serve the devil himself. Maximus sees Marius and reels back, visibly from the shock. Marius, tall and powerful, is his father's son. Marius. Maximus looks into Marius' eyes. You will die. Marius passes Cassian and stands before Maximus. He looks Maximus full in the face. And glory in it. Maximus steps toward his son. Marius holds firm. Leave this place, idolater. We have no use for you. Maximus and Marius stare at each other. The band of Christians descends back into dispute and confusion. Look, these Christian rock bands need to get their shit together. I mean, people just like rolling around and murdering them. Dispute and confusion. Exterior, streets of Rome, late night. Maximus moves through the dark and empty streets, a great silver moon above him. Maximus passes a Roman temple and walks beneath stone statues of the god. Dear, oh dear. Maximus swings around to find Mordecai sitting on the sl- stone steps of the temple. Mordecai. Clearly, <laughs> have- <laughs> I love how every time a, co- uh, a character shows up, because- Maximus says their name. Young girl. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody young girl. He was like uh, recapping Leon's. He's like, I met Arrhenius, Polythenius. <laughs> yeah. There were some bitches getting slaughtered. Yeah, Maximus is all like, previously on table. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, Hephaestus had a motive of his own bringing you here. Mordecai points to one of the statues of the gods. The statue is Hephaestus. Standing, strong, and virile. That's him up there, you know. In his more robust days. And there is the mighty Jupiter, now fat and old and cantankerous. Mordecai stands. My son does not know me. Of course not. 
Your son will have no recollection of you at all. Ah, but isn't he like his father? No, I remember me. I, I do remember me. <laughs> I remember things. Maximus moves suddenly toward Mordecai. Mordecai raises his hand. My son does not even know me. Yeah, we established that. Mordecai disappears. Asshole. Maximus sits down upon the steps. He looks up at the moon, the stars, his face twisted in anguish, the cold graven images of the gods above him. Interior, Cassian's house, late night. Cassian sits alone at his desk, the band of Christians gone. He reads by candlelight, deep in thought. Cassian rubs his face, then looks up to find Maximus standing in the doorway. In the yellow candlelit gloom, Cassian sighs and stands, wearily. <sighs> what do you want with me? That's my line. Nah. <laughs> <I can> <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. I come as a friend. You come like a thief in the night, under the cover of darkness. What am I to think? I have few friends and many enemies. But come in. You say you are a friend. What is your name? <laughs> Maximus moves into the room. My name's Maximus. <laughs> and mine is Cassian. Cassian gestures to a seat. Sit, Maximus. Cassian sits back down at his desk. Maximus sits in front of him. Cassian, Cassian gestures to the papers on his desk. You must excuse the disarray. I was preparing for tomorrow's lesson. I have the dubious honor of teaching a group of young men philosophy. It is ironic, really, all things considered. Cassian moves things around on his desk. My heart is not really in it. No, it's not that. My soul is not really in it. Hammered on there. Cassian looks at Maximus. What is it you want? A line of dialogue, perhaps? <laughs> there is a silence. At the meeting, there was a young man. Marius? Yes, Marius. If he offended you, then I apologize. My son is somewhat hot-tempered. Your son? My adopted son. Good job. Again, sir, what is it that you want? Maximus and Cassian look at one another in silence. Cassian leans forward. Have you seen inside your heart? Has he called to you? What? Yes, I can see. He calls to you, does he not? He who believes in him shall live and never die. Christians were always insipid. Boy, we're about to get into some Speak, shit. Maximus. There is no shame. I saw a baby butchered by a river. Did that baby believe? There are some things worth dying for, Maximus. No, there are some things worth dying for, Maximus. There is... <laughs> now I've got Cassian speaking like me. I grumble up. There are some things worth fighting for. What is it that you want, Maximus? I can help you. What? With a sword? If need be. If he strikes you on the right cheek, turn him the other also. I am a man of peace. And your son? What of my son? Will you drag him with you to the slaughter? Cassian moves close to Maximus. I ask you again. What is it that you want? I am trying to beat your record for asking this question. <laughs> He's done so much more. This is fucking 
Rachel McAdams from The Notebook. What do you want? No, no. <laughs> I never saw The Notebook. I have a penis. I've only saw that that one scene. Ryan Gosling also has a penis. I wrote you every day. <laughs> he has an enormous penis. If all the fan fictions are to allegedly be <laughs> of all the things that I've written, I do hope this is true. <laughs> Maximus and Cassian stare at one another again, mm. and then cut to another scene because that's There's, how scenes end. That's in, how that ends in these movies: is people just stare at each other. And then cut to something else. Cut. What about your son? What do you want? It's like a British Turn. sitcom. Like, I should go. <laughs> yes, yes, you should. Sebastian, what are you doing? I, I'm I, sorting oh, matches. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, then, I think I'd better go. I, yes, I, I think you'd better I, had. I think you better had. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Izzard. Yeah. I'm with it. Yeah. Who I saw live the other weekend. Awesome. Wow. It was amazing. He's, Atlanta? He's fantastic. Yeah. Nice. Fox Theater, everybody. Hey. Interior, in, late night. Inside the inn, the crowd has thinned. The drunken old man lies flat out on a table. Other revelers are sprawled around the inn in a <clears> state <throat> of disrepair. They all sing a song together. Ooh, we sing. There you go. The, the, the Christians, Christians ask the lions if they knew the way to free them. Then the Christians and the lions dance around the Colosseum going la 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 We sounded appropriately drunk. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I mean, that's first go. We had to make up the fucking tune. From the top! Again! Everybody, I want you to know that we have been rehearsing that all week. Maximus enters the inn and the revelers stop singing. Like a western? Whoa, a, whoa. a wench nudges the drunken old man on the table. The drunken old man lurches up as he sees Maximus. Ye gods, woman, it is true. He walks. Maximus walks through the revelers. They part for him in fear and awe, unwilling or unable to believe what they see. The innkeeper looks on, a frightened look on his face. A huge black man, Juba, 40 years old, standing in the corner, pays special interest. Maximus passes through the crowd and disappears upstairs. A drunken reveler stands and shakes his head. No, it's not him. Maximus the gladiator was as big as a bear and had arms the size of tree trunks. Juba moves slowly toward the stairs. Interior, room above in, late night. Maximus sits on the edge of his bed. There is a furtive knock on the door. Maximus stands and walks slowly toward it. Who's there? A friend. Oh, who's Juba? Who's gonna be Juba? I just juba Oh, I thought both of you did it. Oh. <laughs> Maximus cautiously opens the door. Maximus stands face to face with his old gladiatorial friend, Juba. Juba stares down at Maximus in disbelief. It is you. Juba? Juba and Maximus embrace. Then they stare at each other. Cut two. <laughs> what do you want? Interior sheets. Do I embrace a ghost? You embrace a comrade. But how? Maximus smiles, looks past Juba. Juba, come in. 
Exterior, street outside Juba's place. Rome, late night. Maximus and Juba sit in a doorway on a darkened, moonlit street. They drink from a wineskin. They are a little drunk. For a time, they are silent. And that's not the all of it. Juba takes the wineskin away from his mouth. There is more? Juba grins broadly. There is more? Maximus takes the wineskin. There's a strange melancholy ghost named Mordecai that follows me around. A ghost? A ghost. A ghost? <laughs> named Mordecai? Mordecai, the melancholy. and the melancholy. <laughs> Is he here? You know, with us? Now? Maximus drinks from the wineskin. No, he comes and goes. Maximus and Juba are silent. Then Juba grins and breaks into a laugh. Maximus looks at Juba and smiles. Forgive me, my friend, but truly, these are the kind of stories I tell my children. You have children? I fuck, yes. <laughs> Often. It is great day. I do. Two little girls. Twins. <laughs> Teresa and Daph Daphne. Daphne. Da roll, roll. <laughs> they are eight years old. And my wife, Maximus. <laughs> oh, got him. <laughs> got me. Okay. And my wife, Maximus. She could shame the goddess Venus herself. I met her after I was freed. She sought me out. It seems like I made quite an impression on her. In the arena. <clears throat> then you have done well, my friend. <laughs> what is his wife's name to be Max? <laughs> <laughs> her, her name is Max. <laughs> we, we like to role play. <laughs> you wear the breastplate tonight. <laughs> On your back. <laughs> <laughs> Juba stands unsteadily. There is a rumble of thunder and a light rain begins to fall. And I have my own business. Come, I will show you. Oh, this is getting sexy. You got sexy music? Oh, well, yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Uh... Throw it Juba stands unsteadily. Go again. <laughs> <laughs> um... I lost my place. Oh, yeah. Maximus stands, and together they move a little further down the street as the rain grows heavier. Juba points to a darkened window above them. <laughs> Stay quiet. My wife, she sleeps. Yeah, most people do. Next to the house with the window is a large wooden door. Juba opens it. The door creaks loudly as it swings open. Juba grimaces comically because this movie... Is a comedy now? Shh. Maximus and Juba enter through the door. Interior, the forge, Rome, late night. Juba lights a lamp, which throws its dim light over a blacksmith's workshop. A large furnace stands in the center of the workshop. Maximus and Juba step inside. Juba gestures at his surroundings. I do well, Maximus. I take commissions from merchants. Farm equipment, mostly. Oh, I am happy for you, Juba. 
Juba moves further into the workshop. Maximus, I have something for you. Yeah. Juba moves to the back of the workshop, reaches up and takes something off a shelf. He returns to Maximus. Juba hands Maximus something small, wrapped in a cloth. Maximus unwraps the cloth and looks down at two to totemic figurines of his wife and child. Maximus looks at them, touching them lightly with his hand. I buried them in the ground at the Colosseum, not long after you... Died. Yes, but not long ago, I heard the Emperor intended to float the Colosseum. You know, fill it with water. Yeah. For a spectacle involving alligators. It seems the numbers are dwindling. The public has grown weary of seeing these damned Christians torn apart by lions. The Emperor was after something more uncustomary, something more exotic. Maximus looks at Juba. I went there and retrieved them. Maximus wraps his hand around the figurines. Thank you, my friend. A door on the other side of the forge opens, and Juba's wife, Camilla, <laughs> Maximus, 35 years old, appears <laughs> in the doorway. Camilla is a tiny, pretty, stern, is tiny, pretty, stern, and dressed in her bedclothes. She holds a lamp. Juba! Oh, my bad. Juba! Yes, my dear. <laughs> Maximus looks across the workshop at the pale and tiny Camilla, then looks at the great black giant, Juba. Maximus smiles. Your wife. Juba nods sheepishly. The brain boggles. Juba smiles. Who are you talking to? Go back to bed, woman. I will not go back to bed. Whoever it is, send him away and come inside. It's late. Maximus embraces Juba. Goodbye, my friend. Goodbye, Maximus. Will I see you soon? Maximus nods and exits the forge into the rain. Juba pulls close to the door, then looks at Camilla standing in the doorway, glowing in the lamplight. Juba smiles. Coming, dear. Why, why was that needed to be secret? I don't know why any of that had to happen. Like, it, it, it's cool. He's like, oh, come to my house. And his wife's like, who's that? He's like, oh, it's my dead friend from 16 years ago. Like, why, why did it have to be a secret? Why did any of that have to happen? I thought they were going to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> kind of felt like that. It did. Interior, room above in, late night. Maximus stands in his room. He takes the figurines from his pouch, looks at them. <clears throat> he returns the figurines of his son to the pouch. The figurine of his son to the pouch. Then he places the figurine of his wife on the table before him. He kneels down in front of it. He closes his eyes in prayer. May the gods protect. Maximus stops praying. That was real quick. He remains on his knees. He reaches out and picks up the figurine of his wife and squeezes it in his palm. He presses his fist against his head, his face full of rage and sorrow. Outside, we hear the rain. Oh, Maria. Interior, Lucius's abode. Rome, late night. Lucius sits on the balcony of his bedroom. With his pale eyes, he stares out over the rain-drenched city below him. With one long finger rested on the top of the hilt of his dagger, the tip in the table, he touches the handle so that the knife spins slowly around. On the edge of his bed, behind him, sits a young girl, 
barely visible in the yellow and melancholy light. Naked, knees together, silent. Exterior, Lucius's abode. Rome, day. The rain has stopped and the sun has risen over Rome. Lucius marches down the steps of his abode, all business. Four guards loiter around the entrance with horses in the wet and steaming street. The guards draw to attention as Lucius approaches. One of the guards holds Lucius' black stallion, <laughs> which is saddled and ready. Lucius points to two of the guards. You and you, come with me. Lucius swings into his saddle. The guards mount their horses. Lucius rides off, the two guards following. Exterior, street outside schoolhouse, day. Maximus stands on the street near the schoolhouse. People bustle by. The door to the schoolhouse stands open and Sardis walks onto the street followed by the other students. Sardis talks to the three students, who move off and turn a corner out of sight. Maximus watches all of this. A few moments pass, then Marius exits the schoolhouse alone and moves down the street. His head bent, deep in thought. He turns the corner. Marius looks up and sees Sardis and the other three students waiting for him. They block Marius's way. Marius stops in his tracks and faces them. Tell us about your Jesus, atheist. Tell us about the gloomy little criminal you worship. Marius makes to move forward. Sardis grabs Marius by the collar and pushes him roughly up against the wall. Tell us about your beggar Christ that calls down curses on the very gods themselves. Marius looks Sardis in the eye. He is with me now. Sardis slaps Marius viciously across the face. His cheek smarts red. Where? I don't see him. Marius continues to look Sardis in the eye and then slowly turns his face. He is all around. Sardis slaps Marius with even greater savagery. He's still just slapping him, though. Yeah. Marius, stung, eyes watering, mouth trembling in rage, stares back at Sardis. What? No cheek left to turn? Sardis headbutts head Marius, then lets Marius slide down the wall. Marius crumples in a heap. Christian dog! Sardis spits at Marius, who begins to rise to his feet. The other three students push down at Marius with their feet. They look up to find Maximus standing in front of them. Sardis moves forward and looks at Maximus. What do you want? With one quick punch, Maximus breaks Sardis's nose. The four students stand motionless, in shock. Marius climbs to his feet and looks at Maximus. No. Sardis, his nose broken backs away. The other students follow. They move off. Maximus stands before Marius. Perhaps we should talk. Maximus and Marius stare at one another. Fade out. I felt like a good time to stop was before they have their father-son conversation. This way, everybody can look forward to it. And we'll tune in next week for sure because they'll be on the edge of their seat, right? How is the man who asks questions going to explain anything? 
I'm still all about the the, the Jubas Juba uh, sex story you that love you were trying to tell. Yeah. yeah, I was. I was. All the pieces were there. Yeah. Rainy night. There's a forge to bend over. The mood. The mood <laughs> sexy. The wife it, sleeping. His yeah, wife yeah. Maximus didn't have to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the I, I just want to see the interaction between his son and it was like. Do you know who your father is? And, and here's like, the yeah, thing. Like, his son do doesn't you? remember him. When he tells the son's adopted father his name is Maximus, n- no registration or glimmer of recognition at the name. And yet he goes back through the bar and everybody's like, oh, it's Maximus. It's Maximus. It's Maximus. No, it's not Maximus. Maximus was as big as a bear. And Juba's like, Maximus, what the fuck? Yeah, uh, Cassian being the, the the philosophy teacher and whatnot, like, it's kind of weird. Know. That he wouldn't know. Like, he would know. Sixteen years isn't a long time to forget the head of your army who was who then enslaved the emperor. and then killed the emperor. Yeah, like that's that's a big deal in this place. Like where gladiators are remembered forever. Like and yeah. I mean, sixteen years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we remember the name of the guy that didn't even successfully kill Reagan twice that long ago. Right. But it's, they're just like, everybody just forgets this guy. I get maybe the face or something like that. I don't know, because it was, it's such a wide event. And why did those people, why would they recognize him as Maximus in the in the inn? To Only even half think that it might be him. him. Right. I don't. Yeah. No. I was going to say, I don't know. But what I meant is, I don't care. I just want this to stop happening to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only way through it is through, through it. it. <laughs> <laughs> we that, just got to be gladiator and walk a straight that's, line. That's, right your, that's your quote now. The only way through it is through, through it. it. <laughs> All right, everybody. Um, please do check out joshuajbaker.com for all your voiceover needs. He's very talented. He can do old men, young boys, <laughs> California dude. <laughs> yeah. What's up, man? That guy for sure. Um, if if you need to have some random Roman dude voice your if you project, want me to read your shitty script <laughs> Get in touch with Josh. Do you yeah. need a Maximus Kratos? <laughs> Meanwhile, follow Table Reads on Instagram and Twitter at the Table Reads. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash table reads and always please like and subscribe oh and you can also download this script if you want to subject yourself to it at tablereadspodcast.com this podcast was created by sean McBee. for more visit tablereadspodcast.com cut to black, black.